Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Aubila samiya imina shaytan wa rajib bismillah rahman rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wala udwan illa ana dhalameen. Wala aqibatu lil muttaqeen. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa baraka ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasiman kathira. I want to welcome you all to this uh, special program where we're going to be looking at the legacy, life, and virtues of Ibrahim alayhi salam. And I want to preface this with a few things. Number one, that typically I would be going over the life of Ibrahim alayhi salam in Hajj with my Hajj group. And subhanAllah that this year we're not able to do Hajj. And so I want to begin by asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept on behalf of all of those that had intended to do Hajj this year. May Allah give you the full reward of Hajj and to facilitate it for all that yearn for that journey as soon as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens that door for us uh, once again. The second thing is Ibrahim alayhi salam and why this emphasis on Ibrahim alayhi salam. So as I was thinking about Dhul Hijjah and as things are coming up, there's a lot that I want to do on Ibrahim alayhi salam. And so if you've been following the nightly reminders, we've been going through just some snapshots from Surah Ibrahim. Uh, not really a tafsir, but more of reflections on some of the themes that come up in Surah Ibrahim which if you pay close enough attention, have a lot to do with the person and the life of Ibrahim Then I wanted to do this sort of background story on Ibrahim the life of Ibrahim And it's not to give you a full in-depth look at the life of Ibrahim except to really uh, understand his virtues, understand where he comes from, what the, uh, what the order of his life is. So understanding the story of Ibrahim chronologically, understanding why he's so celebrated and emphasized and to give us a greater appreciation <clears throat> for the series that inshallah ta'ala we're going to be doing for the first 10 days of the hijjah and that is a series on the du'as of Ibrahim alayhi salam and so <clears throat> I'm excited inshallah ta'ala to bring that to you and we'll be talking about that in the coming uh, weeks inshallah ta'ala what that series is going to look like but basically we're going to take 10 du'as of Ibrahim alayhi salam 10 prayers of Ibrahim alayhi salam in order and talk about the implications of those prayers in our own lives so that we don't just have a deeper appreciation of him, but we also have a deeper appreciation uh, of those du'as, inshallah ta'ala, and what they mean for us in our own lives. So stay tuned for that, inshallah ta'ala, as well as another series, uh, which the entire uh, Yaqeen team uh, will be putting together ta'ala, and we'll announce those shortly. So let's talk about Ibrahim alayhi salam, and I want to start specifically by talking about his virtues and what makes him so unique. Obviously, there are things that prophets have, distinctions that they have that are given to them in the Qur'an. Some of the prophets have nicknames that refer to a prominent incident that took place. So Musa alayhi salam, Moses peace be upon him, for example, being Kalimullah, the one who Allah spoke to. With Ibrahim alayhi salam, we know that his nickname is the friend of Allah, the Khalil, Khalilul Rahman. And it's special that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he took Ibrahim alayhi salam as a Khalil for many reasons. And one of those things is that Khalil is a very exclusive title that you give to someone. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he took Ibrahim alayhi salam as a Khalil. And the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu also says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken him as a Khalil. Both in the ayah and the Quran and in the hadith. Allah is the one who chose his Khalil. Allah took Ibrahim as a Khalil. And then the Prophet Muhammad says, Allah took me as a friend, took me as a Khalil. 
But when the Prophet ﷺ described it, he said that if I was to take a Khalil, the Prophet ﷺ saying, if I was to take a Khalil, it would have been Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu, had it not been that Allah has already taken me as a Khalil. And the way that the scholars talk about this, uh, amongst many other ways, is that Khalil is an exclusive friend, a special friend. And when it comes to human beings, you could only have one Khalil. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah azza wa has Ibrahim alayhi salam and he has Muhammad sallallahu alayhi salam. So while Allah says that he's taken Ibrahim as a Khalil and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi salam says that he's taken me as a Khalil, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi salam says that I cannot take anyone else as a Khalil. So he is the friend of Allah. Ibrahim alayhi salam is the friend of Allah and he is certainly distinguished in his virtues in the way that he's talked about in the Qur'an, over 70 times referenced, no prophet's du'as are spoken about, supplications are spoken about more than Ibrahim salam. He's praised in very special ways. The Prophet wasallam was uh, once with his companions, and a man came to the Prophet wasallam and he said, Ya khayr al-bariya, O best of mankind, O best of mankind. And the Prophet wasallam said, Thaka Ibrahim, that is Ibrahim alayhi salam. Now you might be wondering, wait a minute, but isn't the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa the best of Allah's creation? Isn't he uh, the Sayyid of Bani Adam, the, the chief, the master of mankind, mercy to the worlds? The answer to that is yes. And the scholars say that this is the Prophet sallallahu uh, praising him in a specific way while also showing humility alayhi salatu wasalam himself. So Ibrahim alayhi salam is an incredible human being, an incredible prophet, distinguished amongst the messengers of Allah. And some of the scholars, as they talked about fadl, they talked about virtue, they said that after the Prophet ﷺ, he is the greatest of the messengers of Allah, ulul azm uh, min al-rusul, the messengers, uh, Nuh alayhi salam, Ibrahim alayhi salam, Musa alayhi salam, Isa alayhi salam, Jesus peace be upon him, and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that Ibrahim alayhi salam, after the Prophet ﷺ, is the most distinguished of them all. There are many reasons that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to us uh, for this. One of them is that after Ibrahim alayhi salam, all of the prophets descend from him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen him in that sense, that it would be from his offspring. And if you think about how incredible that is, that Ibrahim alayhi salam reached adulthood, being rejected by all of his people, all of his people, with the exception of his wife Sarah and his nephew Lut alayhi salam, Ibrahim alayhi salam reached a place of adulthood and he did not have a single follower amongst his people, nor did he have a child. And there is a moment which we'll talk about where Ibrahim alayhi salam is asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rabbi habli min al-salihin, that, oh Allah, grant me some righteous you know, uh, children or grant me a righteous child someone that will inherit this message, that will continue on this message. And Ibrahim is making that dua, making that supplication as an adult. And this is not, you know, as, as a very young man, this is Ibrahim after he's really, uh, you know, spent a long time with his people, his own people calling them to Allah. There's almost a sense of finality, right? That he's expelled from, from his people or by his people after being thrown into a fire and he's leaving them. And he does not know what, what exists on the outside of his people. His da'wah was to his people primarily. His call was to his people primarily in Iraq for all of those years. And he doesn't know what's going to come. And look what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him. 
Allah gave him not just multiple uh, children and grandchildren, but made him the source of prophethood for everyone that would come after him. So he has a, uh, a lineage of prophethood that descends from him from multiple directions. And, you know, the greatest human beings after him all come from him, alayhi salatu wasalam. And so this is a special uh, gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives him. Allah also says, inna Ibrahim kana ummah. Ibrahim alayhi salam was a nation, a nation. And there are numerous things that we can derive from that as well. But one of the most beautiful interpretations of that is that Ibrahim alayhi salam was a nation in that what was contained in that one man was the good that would be produced from an entire nation. An entire ummah could not put forth what Ibrahim put forth of good, both in terms of the good qualities that he himself had, as well as the good deeds that he put forth. That this man is a nation, he is an ummah. And there's a narration that Ibn Mas'ud was an ummah, right? So it's, it's not uncommon uh, while it is distinguished, while a person would be distinguished to be, to be referred to in that way, it is uh, not the only time that we see that. But Ibrahim salam is praised by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he was an ummah, he was a nation in and of himself. <clears throat> Allah azawajal also mentions that he chose him. Allah azawajal says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَىٰ آدَمَ وَنُوحًا وَآلِ إِبْرَاهِيمُ وَآلِ عِمْرَانَ عَلَى الْعَالَمِينَ That Allah has chosen Adam salam and then Nuh salam. And then from, so from the descendants of Adam, Allah chose Nuh Noah. From the descendants of Noah, Allah chose Al Ibrahim, the family of Ibrahim And prophethood comes from them. And then from the family of Ibrahim Allah chose this blessed family of Al Imran, where you have the likes of Zakariya Maryam Isa Yahya you have those blessed prophets, that, that family that's chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah mentions that He chose him both in regards to his family and then him specifically. And so the scholars say that typically, you know, the Mufassirun will say, if you pay attention, Allah mentions He chose a person as an individual or as a family. But here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose him as a family, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about him as an individual. وَلَقَدْ اصْطَفَيْنَاهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَإِنَّهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ لَمِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ We have chosen him in this world. We have chosen him in this life. And that means that he has لسان صدق عَلِيَّ That he has a high reputation, a high honor. That he is the standard, the example for the righteous. And he is claimed by all people, righteous and otherwise. So he's claimed by so many, the righteous and the wicked. And he's followed or he sets the standard for the righteous. He's chosen alayhi salatu wasalam in a special way. And in the hereafter, he will be from the righteous. And so Allah chose him both in this world as well in the, as in the next with a special distinction. And you'll notice here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls him from the righteous. And this is not the only way that Allah refers to him in terms of his quality, in terms of his distinction. Allah refers to him as a Nabi. Allah refers to him as a Siddiq. Allah refers to him as a Salih. So a Nabi, a prophet, a Siddiq, a person of truth, as well as from the Salihin, 
from the righteous. And if you think about the categories, Al-Anbiya, Was-Siddiqoon, Was-Shuhada, Was-Salihoon, right? Allah Azza mentions these four categories that reside at the top of paradise, that reside in the highest levels of paradise. Ibrahim salam qualifies for three of those four uh, categories, alayhi salatu wasalam. The Prophet also mentioned Ashad al Nasi Bala'an that the, the most uh, tested of people are those who are the prophets and then the righteous and then those that follow them in righteousness in terms of their order. And so Ibrahim salam, what you notice about him as well is that he's one of the most tested prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tested in so many ways. Tested with his father, tested with his people, tested with his children, tested with his spouses, tested with a tyrant, tested with the laity, tested with everybody. Right? So Ibrahim salam is tested in so many ways throughout his life. And that tells us something, right? The fact that despite all of these distinctions that he has, despite the righteousness that's assigned to him, the honor that's assigned to him, the fact that he still tested this severely tells you something. It's not that you know he is tested even though he is righteous. He's tested because of how loved and righteous he is. He's tested for that reason. And so there is a correlation between bala, between test and, and, and trial and the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we see it with the Prophet Sallallahu we see it with Ibrahim Sallallahu we see it with Ayyub Sallallahu we see it with Yusuf Sallallahu right, the great grandson of Ibrahim Sallallahu So there is something to be said about the tests that, that come to Ibrahim Sallallahu despite the love of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and the high station and the high honor that He gave to him. Allah Azawajal also mentions him amongst those who His favor was completed upon. So again, I want you to see that these are themes in our own lives that t- typically uh, we not only disconnect with one another, but we think that one of them disqualifies the other. And so the love of Allah, but then the most tested. And then here, Allah completed his favor upon him. When uh, Allah Azawajal says, وَيُتِمُّ نِعْمَتَهُ عَلَيْكَ وَعَلَىٰ آلِ يَعْقُوبِ كَمَا أَتَمَّهَا عَلَىٰ أَبَوَيْكَ مِنْ قَبْلِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْحَاقِ In Surah Yusuf, that Allah may complete his favor upon the family of Jacob, the way that he has completed it upon your uh, grandparents, uh, Ibrahim and Ishaq, Abraham and Isaac, peace be upon them all. So Allah mentions him amongst those whose favor has been completed upon him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also praises his heart. And I just love this because he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, in, in one of his duas, he, as he's re- referencing the day of judgment, that a person will not be benefited. That a person will not be benefited by wealth or children unless they come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a sound heart. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, When he came back to his Lord with a pure heart, with a sound heart. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, Man rahmana bil that those who would succeed in the hereafter are those who feared Allah, those who were conscious of their Lord, those who loved Allah, those who were mindful of Him. When they were not seen by the people and they come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a pure heart. And Ibrahim was a man who would worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala diligently in private with great devotion. And on top of that, he comes back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with that pure heart 
that he himself has a recognition of as being the key to success on the Day of Judgment. Allah praises his dua, his supplication, and the way that he was always turned back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says that Ibrahim is Halimun Awahun Munib. And there's a deep connection between these three things. Halim is that a person is forbearing. Ibrahim السلام, had an incredible capacity to take in, right? He was able to be patient with the insults of the people, with the harm of the people, with the injury of the people. He was able to take it all in. He had a great level of patience and a great deal of capacity when dealing with his people. And there's a direct correlation between the capacity that he had with dealing with his people and the frequency with which he turned back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? So he is halimun, he takes in a lot. Awahun, he grieves frequently. Okay, he grieves frequently. And so think about the intake of injury and insult, but then the, the output or how he, he exhales that grief to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Awah, he grieves to Allah. He turns back to his Lord when he is turned away by the people. Munib, and he is always turned back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he is halimun awahun munib. As forbearing as he is with what he takes in, and as much as he bears that grief, he is munib, he's turned back to his Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time, and uh, channels that grief and channels that hurt and channels that injury to him, which is why we're going to have that series about his du'as. His du'as are so beautiful, supplications are so beautiful, they are raw, and they're all-encompassing. They encompass every facet of life, subhanAllah, as he's turned back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what is his defining feature? His defining feature is in that he is Siddiqan Nabiya. His defining feature after his prophethood is that he is Siddiq, is that he is truthful. And uh, Siddiq here, when we talked about it in, in the firsts, uh, we talked about Abu Bakr al-Siddiq anhu and the meaning of a siddiqun They are even higher uh, ranking than in, in the maratib when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the distinctions. The, the siddiqun are even higher than the shuhada. There is no discrepancy between their actions and their stated words. So both you know, between their stated words and their sincere intentions and their uh, actions, there is complete consistency. And so someone who's sadiq, someone who tells the truth, the scholars say there's consistency between their words and reality. So to, to, to have sitq in your speech, to be truthful in your speech, is to say what reflects reality accurately. So I'm describing to you a situation, and I'm truthful in what I'm describing to you. So that is a person who is sadiq, who is truthful in their speech. But a person who has sitq, who has truthfulness in their repentance, who has truthfulness in their, uh, in their honor, who has truthfulness in their charity, who is siddiq in their, who, who is sadiq with their actions, is someone between whom there is no discrepancy between their words and their deeds. Okay? And in this situation, words, deeds are connected by the heart, by that qalbun salim, by that sound heart, that pure heart. And Ibrahim had that, okay? And that's his ultimate quality. And the scholars, you know, when they talk about this idea of a siddiq, a person of truth, 
Just like with Abu Bakr anhu, if you have that trait, you'll achieve all other qualities because you'll always push yourself to the maximum of your potential and you'll never be complacent. And so you're going to push yourself with your charity. You're going to push yourself with your generosity. You're going to push yourself with your sincerity. You're going to push yourself with your worship. You're going to push yourself with your steadfastness because you are Siddiq, because you're a person of truth. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all amongst them. Allahumma ameen. Allah praises his qualities then of, gra- of patience, his sabr, his, uh, his shukur, his gratitude. Allah p- praises his hilm, as we said, his forbearance. Allah praises his himma, his, his, sense, of, uh, his, his sense of excellence and his himma, his high aspirations when it comes to the performance of good deeds. He is one who submits to the truth as soon as it comes to him. And that's what makes him a Siddiq, right? So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, If qala lahu rabbuhu aslim, qala aslam to the Rabbil Alameen. When his Lord says to him, Aslim, submit, he says, I submit to the Lord of the worlds. There is no fa or wow between the order and the response, meaning it's not if qala lahu rabbuhu aslim. فَقَالَ أَسْلَمْتُ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ or وَقَالَ أَسْلَمْتُ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ No, it's إِذْ قَالَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ أَسْلَمْ قَالَ أَسْلَمْتُ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ His Lord says to him, submit, and he says, I submit to the Lord of the worlds. There is absolutely no delay between the order and the response from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's the ultimate quality and that is the defining feature of the distinguished quality of sidq, of being truthful. Why? Because with Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, when the Prophet praised Abu Bakr as Siddiq, the reason why the Prophet praised him is because he's the only companion with whom there was no taraddud, there was no hesitation to accept the truth and to dedicate himself to the truth. There was never any hesitation. And so that's why he's awarded the same title uh, as Ibrahim alayhi salam as Siddiq, the, the Siddiq, the ultimate Siddiq. Ibrahim alayhi salam. Uh, now, what does this mean for us? And so what are some practical ways we can then take these virtues? So there are the individual virtues that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises about Ibrahim alayhi salam. There's something unique as well about Ibrahim alayhi salam is that he's the only prophet in the Qur'an other than the Prophet salam, that we're told to follow both in creed and character. Now, let me take a step back. Every prophet of Allah is a prophet of ours in the sense that we uphold those prophets and we do not distinguish between them in regards to their role as prophets and messengers of Allah. Okay, So they are our prophets in that we claim them because they all came from the same God with the same message and we consider ourselves upon that message by extension of being on the message of the last prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam right so we are by virtue of that connected to all of the prophets that came before him that had the same message from that one god from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but we're not told to follow in the sense of uh, in the sense of obedience with the other prophets the way we are the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the prophet Muhammad peace be upon him except for Ibrahim alayhi salam so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this to us in creed and in character. So when it comes to creed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَاتَّبِعُوا مِلَّةَ Ibrahim. Follow the way of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Follow the way of Ibrahim. 
the Prophet ﷺ was on Millata Abikum Ibrahim, was on the way of your father Abraham. Right? Ibrahim is the asr, he's the default that we go back to follow the way of Ibrahim. ﷺ. And that doesn't mean that you jump, uh, you know, the Prophet, ﷺ, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and you find something from Ibrahim ﷺ, because there is no inconsistency. So the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is the dua of Ibrahim ﷺ and is the manifestation of following the original way of Ibrahim Some of the scholars, they, they, they mentioned similarities in tashri' the similarities in legislation even between that which came to Ibrahim and that which came to Muhammad So that's in creed, that what distinguishes Islam, submission, if qala lahu rabbuhu aslim, that Islam is the way of Ibrahim You are Muslims as Ibrahim was a Muslim. Submitting your, yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, submitting yourself to God always, that He is the standard that, that, uh, that, that we are upon, that we, that we seek to be upon as we profess our creed, that we are on the way of Ibrahim that the Prophet called people back to the way of Ibrahim that even before the Prophet received revelation at the age of 40, كَانَ يَتَحَنَّثْ that he was worshipping in an Abrahamic way, worshipping one God. That Zayd ibn Amr ibn Nufayl, who was putting his back to the Kaaba and saying, I'm on the way of Ibrahim salam, that we are following the way of Ibrahim salam, even before the revelation of Islam, which only confirmed it as it came through the Prophet So there's the creed, the pure creed of Abraham. And this is how we call people back. We call people to the way of Abraham the way of Ibrahim And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises his character and tells us to follow his character. قَدْ كَانَتْ لَكُمْ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا فِي إِبْرَاهِيمٍ That you have in Ibrahim an excellent standard of character. For those that want to excel in character, you have an uswa in Ibrahim And how do you learn about that uswa, that character of Ibrahim You learn about it through uswatun hasana. The, the, the greatest example, the character of the Prophet And so when the Prophet says that he resembled Ibrahim most in appearance, uh, it's not just appearance, the akhlaq, the character of the Prophet was like the character of Ibrahim And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises the character of Ibrahim And that's why some of the scholars, they point out, they say, you know, if you look at the, the, the aspects of the life of Abraham that are covered, of Ibrahim that are covered in the Qur'an, it's not, it's not an isolated snapshot. You know, with many of the prophets, you have a look at, you know, one or two or three episodes of their lives, okay? And then with some of them, you have a look at other aspects of their lives. So Musa, Moses is the most spoken about prophet in the Quran. SubhanAllah, we, we learn about Musa from uh, before his birth to his birth uh, to, you know, uh, you know, his, his personal life, to his struggles, his trials, to his seeking knowledge with Al-Khadr, through dealing with Fir'aun, through uh, his people with Bani Israel, uh, post splitting the sea, after splitting the sea. There's so much about Moses, about Musa salam. With Ibrahim salam, you have uh, much insight into his childhood, his teenage years, his family life, his community life. Ibrahim dealing with a tyrant, Ibrahim dealing with his people. So you get this comprehensive look at the character of Ibrahim 
and his du'as, as I mentioned, his supplications, which we'll be covering, inshaAllah ta'ala. <clears throat> so, Allah Azza praises him in his individual faith. Allah says, وَمَنْ يَرْغَبُ عَنْ مِلَّةِ إِبْرَاهِيمٍ إِلَّا مَنْ سَفِيهَ نَفْسًا And who seeks other than Ibrahim salam, the way of Abraham, except for one who disgraces themselves. Now, by the way, the, the, the word يَرْغَبْ is to, is to really desire, crave something. And if you remember the father of Ibrahim salam, when he chastises him, when Azar chastises him, he says, أَرَاغِبٌ أَنْتَ عَنْ آلِيَتِنَا يَا إِبْرَاهِيمُ Are you seeking pleasure? Are you seeking fulfillment through anything but our gods? And our God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that whoever seeks other, desires other than the way of Ibrahim salam, is going to diminish themselves as a human being. SubhanAllah, they'll be deficient as a human being. وَمَنْ يَرْغَبُ عَنْ مِلَّةِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ إِلَّا مَنْ سَفِيهَا نَفْسًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so Allah praises his faith as an individual. Allah praises his manhaj, his methodology in da'wah, his methodology in calling people to him, whether it be to a family member, parent, spouse, or child, or to his people, or to a tyrant. Right, so you get the character of Ibrahim with family and community. With community, let's just stick to community first because we're talking about the da'wah of Ibrahim Islam. Right, you get this full look at the da'wah of Ibrahim Islam, calling people uh, back to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So you have how he spoke to his father, called them to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. How he spoke to his people, the uslub, the mannerisms that he used with his people, and then how he spoke to a tyrant and called them back to Allah. And then Allah praised his manhaj, his methodology in, in family as a parent, a spouse, and as a child. And so as you're, you're seeing Ibrahim Islam as a parent, you're seeing a loving parent. You see Ibrahim Islam as a spouse, you're seeing a loving spouse. You're seeing Ibrahim Islam as a child to his father, you're seeing a loving child to his father. So you're seeing this, uh, this manhaj, this methodology of a person, right? With how they interact with the world around them, how they interact with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first, what that means to them as an individual with their faith, how they interact with family, how they interact with, uh, with community. And verily, he is an excellent uh, example uh, for us. And what defines him again is Millata abikum Ibrahim Hanifa, that this is the way of your father Abraham, uh, the way of Adin al Hanifiyya, the way of the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, calling us to the way of Ibrahim Finally, before I go into his life, inshaAllah ta'ala, what makes Abraham so significant, Ibrahim so significant, uh, especially in the context of the da'wah of the Prophet wasallam, was that Ibrahim was an example both to the people of the book as well as the idolaters in Mecca. So the idolaters in Mecca were from the... Uh, the descendants in the sense of lineage, right? They are from the, 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 the inhabitants of that land, the descendants uh, of Ibrahim Islam in the sense through Ismail Islam. That's the nation that is settled there. And they uphold Ibrahim Islam in a in, in high standard because they know that Ibrahim Islam built this Kaaba. They know that Ibrahim Islam inhabited this place. So they have a, a uh, an, an affinity to Ibrahim Islam. And then the people of the book, the Jews and the Christians, 
have an affinity obviously to Abraham as well, to Ibrahim as well, and the Prophet would interact heavily with the people of the book in Medina. And so using Ibrahim as the focal point, right, calling people back to the way of Ibrahim is significant to both of the major populations that the Prophet would deal with. And of course, as well as Abyssinia, Habasha, when the Muslims migrated to Abyssinia, uh, to, uh, to a Najashi, to a Christian king, calling them back to the way of Ibrahim uh, salam, as a starting point, that let's all come back to the way of Abraham, the way of Ibrahim salam. Finally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and this is just so beautiful, Allah says, Salamun ala Ibrahim, and peace be on to Ibrahim salam. Peace be on to Abraham. Why is this so significant? When Allah says, that Allah and His angels send their peace and blessings upon the Messenger Muhammad وسلم, and then commands us to send salawat, prayers and peace on Muhammad وسلم, on the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, uh, with Abraham, with Ibrahim السلام, when we are saying in our salah Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala Ali Muhammad kama sallayta ala Ibrahim extending that peace and that salam, those prayers upon Ibrahim salam, Allah Himself says salamun ala Ibrahim and peace be on to Abraham, peace be on to Ibrahim salam. So let's get into an overview of his story and the goal of understanding his life inshallah so that you can uh, understand the history uh, and at the same time appreciate inshallah ta'ala when we do our deep dive into the du'as of Ibrahim salam in the series that we'll be doing for uh, Dhul-Hijjah. So Ibrahim salam was born in Iraq and his father uh, is named Azar. Now, there's a difference of opinion whether his father Azar is actually his father or his uncle. Okay, so is he his biological father? Is he uh, like Abu Talib was to the Prophet wasallam? where the paternal uncle is like the father, okay, so that he would have raised Ibrahim alayhi salam. Um, and the stronger opinion Allah knows best is that it's actually his biological father, Azar. And there are different narrations uh, or different reasons for that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioning Abihi Azar, the Prophet sallallahu when he talks about Ibrahim meeting him on the day of judgment, he mentions uh, he, would, he would meet his father, Azar. So Allah knows best, but uh, you know, it, it seems to be the strongest opinion that this is his actual biological father. So Ibrahim السلام, is born in Iraq. His father Azar was a carpenter and his particular role in society as a carpenter was that he was the maker of the idols. He was the maker of the idols. So he would make the idols both for festivals as well as the personal idols for people in their homes for families in their homes. He literally was selling gods to his people. And you can imagine the friction that exists between Ibrahim and his father from a very early age. And Allah mentions about Ibrahim that we gave him guidance from before. And most of the Mufassirun, they say that what this refers to is he had guidance before prophethood. So before he actually received prophethood and was appointed as a prophet from Allah, he already had guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And rushd is, uh, is, is, is a level past hidayah. Hidayah is to be guided in regards to creed, 
Rushd is to be guided in regards to action as well. So Al-Khulafa Al-Rashidin Al-Mahdiyin or Al-Mahdiyin Al-Rashidin uh, to be guided in regards to your ilm is hidayah to be guided in regards to your amal in regards to your actions is rushd. So Ibrahim Islam had a natural uh, guidance that was given to him from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even before he was officially appointed as a prophet. So what does this translate to? This translates to him questioning the ways of his father even as a young child. And some narrations say he started questioning as early as uh, age seven. I have a seven-year-old. My second, my second child is a seven-year-old. And so I immediately start thinking about the types of questioning that would come from a seven-year-old. Imagine Ibrahim Islam as a seven-year-old questioning his father, why do we sell these gods? What's the point of all of these gods? Uh, these idols don't make sense. They don't make sense. And so there are a few, a few different uh, things that happen. One of them is that Ibrahim Islam sees the way that people revere these idols and he's, he's weirded out by it. I mean, it, it's strange to him. It's strange to him. Why are they, why are they aakifin? Why do they come to these idols and bring their food and their drink and they have such awe with these idols? It doesn't make sense to him to see the, that level of awe and reverence that they have for the idols. Um, then he notices the way that the idols are made. And that piques his curiosity as well. And before I even say this, if you think about Mecca, uh, the idols were, of course, you know, tools for people to, to turn themselves into God makers and to, to gods themselves, right? So it gave an added level of power to the Meccans themselves. It wasn't about the idols themselves. It was about the access to the idols in the hearts that these people had that they would use to control others, right? That's what these idols were about. Um, and so you're always going to find that classism, classism finds its way into these, into these uh, examples and into these uh, manifestations. And subhanAllah, you can compare that to Hajj, right? Where you're all coming to one God and the best way to come to that one God is you're all equal in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you all have to wear ihram. There, there, is, no, uh, there, there is no other Kaaba. There's only one Kaaba. And it's meant to bring all of us in unity and in recognition of our common oneness as humanity in, in regards to our level and our duty to our Lord, right? To that one God. There is no distinction there. But we see this in the case of Mecca and we see it in the case of Ibrahim Islam that the idols were used to give people inflated places in society or to solidify elite status for some. And so uh, the way that this happened in Ibrahim Islam's time was that the bigger idols were for richer people. So idols were sold in accordance with their size. And so if you were wealthier, you had a bigger idol. And as you had a bigger idol, that gave you a, an added level in society. And so there was a direct connection to the amount of wealth that you had, uh, to, you know, to, to, to the size of your idol, and what that gave you in terms of power in society. So Ibrahim السلام, he, he realizes how silly this idol hierarchy is, right? And being in accordance with size, and clearly his father's the one that's making these idols. And so they sell the bigger idols at a higher price. So he sees this huge idol, and he says to his father, he says, you know, why is that idol so big? And, and particularly he says, why is its ear so big? Why is the ear of that idol so big. And his father's response to him was that 
that this idol has a big he- ear so that it could hear everyone. It has more knowledge because it hears more. And that's why the size of its ear is there. And Ibrahim uh, uh, absolutely finds uh, no, uh, no sense of being convinced in what his father is saying. So this does not resonate with Ibrahim as well, at all, even as a child. Like, wait, what? So you're saying the idol's bigger ear means it can hear more? And so that means that you, know, you pay more, and so you get an idol that, that sees you, that has a, a greater span in terms of what they can see, vision and hearing. What does that mean, right? Ibrahim السلام, also uh, gets to this point now where he starts to mock those idols, okay? Not, not from a place of arrogance, from, from a place of you know, showing his people that they're not doing you any good. That this doesn't make sense. And so when Ibrahim saw the festivals of bringing food and drink to the idols, Ibrahim he starts to mock them. He starts to bring food and drink to them himself. And he says, eat and drink. And they never eat and drink. And he's saying, what is it with these idols? They don't eat and drink. There's also a narration that uh, his father uh, gave him idols to go and sell in the marketplace. And so he's a child and he's going to work for his father, which is very common in those societies. And he's carrying those idols. And so to honor his father, he's going to do it. But, the, but what, what, what he does when he goes to the marketplace, he said, من يشتري من لا يضره ولا ينفعه. Who wants to buy what will not harm them nor benefit them? Who wants to buy what will not harm them nor benefit them? And then his father finds out that this is the way that he's selling the idols. And obviously no one's buying when Ibrahim is carrying these idols and saying, who wants to buy what will neither harm them nor benefit them? And his father would discipline him because that's bad for business, okay? Then you start to see as Ibrahim grows up and becomes a fata, a teenager, um, the direct challenges to his people. Do they hear you when you call upon them? Do they benefit you? Do they harm you? And there's consistency in his da'wah, and it's one of the most beautiful things about Ibrahim Islam's methodology of da'wah, is the consistency of it throughout the Qur'an. When he's speaking to different people, he's saying the same things about the false gods, and he's saying the same things about the one true God. It's the same language. And so when he speaks to his people, do they benefit you? Do they harm you? They don't hear you. When he speaks to his father, لِمَا تَعْبُدُوا مَا لَا يَسْمَعُوا why do you worship that which does not hear you, does not see you, and does, does you absolutely no good? Okay, so he's, he has a consistency in his da'wah, and we'll see this in a few of the other things too. Um, Ibrahim was afsahul anbiya, was the most eloquent of the prophets. And usually what you see as well with, with, uh, with, with shirk is that the diversity of, of gods here you know, expands and it just includes so many different things. So his people did not just worship, uh, you know, the objects that they created, but they worshiped the objects of the universe as well. So they worshiped the moon, they worshiped the stars, they worshiped the sun. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us this story of Ibrahim alayhi sitting with his people as a fata, as a teenager. And Ibrahim alayhi sees the star and, and it's this beautiful star, uh, and, and it truly is a beautiful sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but it's not Allah Himself, but this beautiful star. And Ibrahim Islam looks up at it and he says, Hada Rabbi. Well, this must be my Lord. Right? Now, if you're reading these ayats, by the way, you might think that Ibrahim Islam is actually going through a process 
of this is God and this is God and this is God. But this is actually part of his da'wah. This is his, uh, a way of him, yuhajahum, the way that he is actually um, arguing and debating with his people. Okay, so Ibrahim says, what a beautiful star, hadha rabbi, this is my Lord. So his father has hope in him, right? All right, we're, we're making progress, right? My son is finally coming around to understand this. Fine, he doesn't worship the idols we're making, but look, he's looking at the star. He says, hadha rabbi, starting to mesh with his people. Then the star disappears. Ibrahim says, I don't, you know, I don't like this. Why would the star go away? It was such a glorious star, but what's the point of it if it's going to go away? And then the moon comes, and it's the full moon. And Ibrahim says, Hadha Rabbi. And that must mean, that's my Lord. Look at this beautiful, magnificent moon. And so, once again, his people are satisfied that Ibrahim is coming around. And Ibrahim then as the moon goes, as you no longer see the brightness of the moon, he says, you know, what's the point of this? I don't like these things that turn off, that don't, that don't persist. You know, how can, I, how can this benefit me when it goes away uh, outside of its own power? And then finally, when he sees the sun, he says, هذا ربي هذا أكبر. This is my Lord, or this must be my Lord. This one is bigger. Now realize again, and, and, and the point of this lecture is to actually make those connections, inshallah, within idol worship, the way that they worshipped idols were, bigger idols meant uh, greater status. And so when he's, when he's using that language and he's saying, oh, well, this is the sun and the sun is bigger, so this must be my Lord. And then when the sun sets, Ibrahim alayhi salam, he says, what's the point of this thing? I don't like these things that set and that disappear and that clearly have no consistency. They're not present in all of these times. And subhanAllah, you can see, by the way, Ibrahim will use the sun in his da'wah to Nimrud, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, inshallah ta'ala, to, to say, you know, bring the sun. Can you control the sun? Okay, so Ibrahim deep ability to ponder upon these signs and then to make the connection between the way that the objects of the universe are worshipped and the objects that are being made are worshipped. And then to contrast that to what he gets from the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very powerful. Um, so when he says to his father in Surah Maryam, beautiful manhaj, beautiful methodology of da'wah. Why do you worship that which does not hear you, see you, does not benefit you in any way? And he's telling his people, these idols don't benefit you. And he's saying, look, the sun, the moon, and the stars, they disappear. They're not able to, to be there consistently for you. I want you to contrast that to what Ibrahim salam says. And by the way, he says to them that, uh, that this will not benefit you in this life or in the hereafter. So he's, he's talking to them about notions of the hereafter as well to get them thinking, okay, well, you, if you try to make all these you know, claims that these things benefit you in this life, what about the hereafter? Are you thinking about the hereafter? So contrast this to Ibrahim Salam's description of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that I'm going to go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one God. الَّذِي خَلَقَنِي فَهُوَ يَهْدِينَ The one who created me and he guides me. وَالَّذِي هُوَ يُطْعِمُنِي And the one who gives me food and drink. Right? So he created me and he gives me guidance. So he didn't just originate me, there's clear guidance from him as well. And he gives me food and gives me drink. So not only uh, 
you know, do I not have to feed or, or, or give him? No. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not need from us jaza or shukur. Allah does not need anything from us. But He actually provides me food and drink. And when I am sick, He heals me. He didn't attribute the illness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When I get sick, He only attributed the cure to God, that He heals me. And then he who causes me to die, and then he restores me to life once again. And he says, And the one from whom I hope forgiveness for my sins on the day of judgment. So Ibrahim is talking about the uselessness and, and the way, the, the, the harm that, you know, of, of putting yourself at the service of these things that don't offer you benefit. And then look how he's talking about God. Look how he talks about God. So beautifully, so comprehensive, with such trust, and also a sense of humility, right? So when he's talking to his father, his people, Rahim is not, is not um, speaking to them from a place of being condescending. He's saying, you know, I hope, I hope as well that he will forgive me on the day of judgment, and that he'll grant me his mercy and his grace on the day of judgment. And so when he's calling his father and he's saying to his father, Inni I'm afraid for you. This is not, I'm not condemning you to hell, but I'm afraid for you. I'm afraid for you to be punished. So he's able to mesh together such a remarkable consistency in his da'wah. When he talks about everything that's being worshipped other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has consistent messaging and consistent themes. When he talks about what Allah means to him and who Allah is, it's consistent messaging, consistent themes. And so it's one of the, the, uh, the, the virtues of him that's, uh, that's eminent in his da'wah. It shows in the way that he calls people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so when he says, uh, Those that you call besides Allah, they don't provide you anything. Seek that risk, seek that sustenance from Allah. What ends up happening is... Not a defense of shirk from his people. Not a defense of the actual polytheism from his people. But instead, a defense of themselves by saying, well, this is what we found our fathers worshipping. And so, yes, it doesn't make sense. We understand that you're making very logical arguments. But this is how we found our fathers uh, upon worship. And so we're doing the same thing that we saw our fathers doing. And this was, of course, the way that the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, uh, was responded to by the people of Mecca. There wasn't a debate about the idols themselves or about the benefit that the idols bring. It was instead, this is how our traditions tell us to worship. This is what our fathers have told us to do. And so this is what we're going to continue to do. Ibrahim السلام, of course, brings it back to Allah. قَالَ أَتُحَاجُونَنِي are you, are you debating with me? فِي اللَّهِ وَهُوَ هَدَانِ In accordance or in regards to Allah and He is the one who guided me. So what happens? What is the incident that takes place where we reach this breaking point between Ibrahim السلام, and his people? They had a day that they would go out every single year and it would be like a Eid for them, a feast for them, a festival for them. And they would leave food at the feet of their idols for barakah, for blessing. And then they'd come back later on in the day, in the nighttime, and then they'd eat from that food. So they'd leave some food at the feet of the idols, they'd go out, they'd, they'd uh, partake in all sorts of festivals, they come back, they take the food that they left at the feet of their idols, and they eat that food. 
So they tell Ibrahim to go out with them. And Ibrahim answers, Inni saqeem, that I'm sick, I'm feeling sick. Now, of course, you know, when he says I'm feeling sick, he's not referring to his physical illness or being physically ill. He, he means he's sick in a different way. But I'm feeling sick. Inni saqeem. And he uses that as an excuse. Of course, they interpret it in one way, but he means it in another way. He uses that as an excuse to stay back. And he says, And by Allah, I shall certainly carry out my plan against your gods after you are gone. Now, um, when he says this, there are two ways that the scholars reckon with this. One of them is that he mumbled this. And, you know, he said it sort of under his breath in a way that someone heard him, but it wasn't loud enough. We know that he didn't say it to them because it would have defeated the purpose of saying, Inni saqeem, uh, you know, that I'm sick. But it could be that he said this under his breath and, and one or two people caught it. And that's why they would say that we heard a fata, we heard a young man that was talking about them, okay, whose name is Ibrahim. Or that Ibrahim said this to himself, and this is not necessarily what he's saying out loud, uh, but, he, but he's only saying it to himself. In any case, they leave Ibrahim Then he broke all of them into pieces, sparing only the biggest amongst them so that they may possibly return to him. Now before this, you know, Ibrahim السلام, he, he said to the idols, Aren't you going to eat? And they don't respond. Why is it that you don't speak? They don't speak. When Ibrahim destroyed those idols and he left the big one amongst them, and Allah says, يرجعون, so that perhaps they may come back to him. There's a, a double meaning that we take from the, the, the Mufassirun here. One of them is that يرجعون, so that they may come back to him, meaning Ibrahim that they'll come back to him. They'll find, when they come back and they find their idols destroyed, they'll come back to him and that'll give him an opportunity to present. Uh, you know, his case, right? These idols could not defend themselves. Basically, it gives him a, a, an opportunity to make his hujjah, to make his claim once again. But this time it's gone to the next level because they were not listening to him before. Uh, or, meaning they come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. They come back to God himself. Now, the point is though, in either of these two iterations, um, it's not about Ibrahim السلام, making a point to show arrogance. Ibrahim is not doing this from a place of arrogance. Ibrahim السلام, is doing this out of his love for them. He's not doing it to be condescending to them. He's doing it so that they may wake up, so that they could think about what it is that they're doing. And he didn't run away. You know, he didn't uh, crush the idols and then run away. Ibrahim السلام, um, you know, waited patiently for them to come back to find what they found. And then to come back to him, right? That was the plan all along. So they go back to Ibrahim, they come back, they find their idols in that state. They say, Man Who did this to our gods? Verily, he is amongst the wrongdoers. And that's when they say that we heard someone uh, mentioning them, who له Ibrahim, whose name may be Ibrahim. Uh, at that point, they say, bring him before the eyes of the people so that they may see what will be done to him. Let's make an example out of him then. So Ibrahim comes, he arrives to this gathering. And by the way, some of the scholars say, Qalu here is referring to his father, Azar. His father is the one who's actually speaking on behalf of the people to his own son. 
Ibrahim. They say to Ibrahim, did you do this to our gods, O Ibrahim? Ibrahim السلام, says, so he answers and he says, rather it was the supreme, it was the big one who did it. So ask them if they can speak. Now, again, Ibrahim was waiting for them anyway, and he's trying to make a point here. Uh, some of the scholars, they say that what Ibrahim did, because just like when he said, inni saqim, that I am sick, he didn't mean it in the physical sense, he meant it in another sense. When Ibrahim pointed and he said, uh, he used his big thumb to point. And so when he's saying the biggest one amongst them, he's referring to his thumb. Okay? Uh, but of course, the, the, the double meaning of that is because he did do it with his hand, is that it was the big idol. So he's saying, go ahead and ask the big idol, you know, why did he break them? Ask the ones that are broken. I mean, clearly these are gods. They should be able to talk, right? So they knew that Ibrahim caught them. He had them stuck. So what did they do? They gather amongst themselves. They start to blame one another. And, you know, why did we leave him behind? We, shouldn't, we, we, we knew that he had, you know, issues here. Who heard him say that he was going to do something to the idols? Uh, you know, it's your fault. It's your fault. They start to blame one another. They know that anything they say now is going to put them in a bind, right? Because it's going to offer Ibrahim Islam an opening to challenge their idol worship. Uh, in an effective way. So they come back and they say, you know, you know that these don't talk, O Ibrahim. And Ibrahim uses that as a moment to call to light the reality of their worship, their idol worship. And so what do they do at that point? They have no choice but to persecute him and to make an example out of him. There is no way that they can argue with him. They can't debate with him. Ibrahim has tried good manners. He's tried... Uh, da'wah through common sense. He's tried da'wah through character. He's tried so much to show them they don't benefit them. He's tried everything. And now they decide to make an example out of him. And that's when they kindle the fire and they spend days and days and days kindling this fire. The fire was so large that it would harm the people. Just the smoke of the fire was harming the people. They could not come anywhere near it. And they place Ibrahim into a catapult. And his own father is the one leading the charge. And they sling him into that fire. The angels are waiting to see what command Allah is going to give them. Is it going to be the rain? Is it going to be, how, you know, how is Allah going to save this servant of his? And subhanAllah, instead, Allah speaks to the fire itself and says, Kuni bardan. Wasalama, be both cold and peaceful. Bardan, not to be too cold to where it would harm him from being too cold. Salama, to be cool and peaceful on Ibrahim alayhi salam. And as we know, Ibrahim alayhi was thrown into the fire, but it did not harm him. Now there's something, um, there's something to be said about this. These people called on idols that Ibrahim alayhi salam said were of no benefit to them and could do nothing to assist them. And here, they were seeing how the Lord of Ibrahim السلام, who was unseen, benefited him against all odds. They threw Ibrahim السلام, into a fire thinking they themselves were capable of punishment. If they were capable of making God, they were capable of playing God too. So they threw him into a fire thinking that they were capable, surely they were capable of punishment 
But they couldn't do anything, nor could their idols do anything in that situation. So subhanAllah, the argument of Ibrahim was also proved in the nature of the attempted public assassination of Ibrahim Obviously the word starts to spread. Ibrahim walks out of this fire and he decides to make hijrah, decides to migrate for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, in this situation. A moment that was extremely difficult. It will actually be the first dua that we talk about inshallah ta'ala in our series, Hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakil. The leader of the people, Nimrud, wants to challenge him. The tyrant wants to challenge Ibrahim and Ibrahim does da'wah to everybody. So Ibrahim is brought before Nimrud. Ibrahim says, Rabbi alladhi yuhyi wa yumit. It's my Lord who gives life and who gives death. Right? And that's evidenced as well by the fact that Ibrahim did not die in that situation. And Nimrud says, Ana uhyi wa umit. I give life and I give death. How? He said, watch this. He took a man who was sentenced to death by him and he freed him. And then he brought another man who was not sentenced to death and he killed him. So he said, see, I give life and I give death. I just gave that person who was destined for death life and I gave that person who was destined for life death. So I أَنَأْرْهِ He said, okay, fine. Ibrahim said, Allah brings the sun from the east. Allah rises the sun, raises the sun from the east. Go ahead and raise it from the west. So he completely dumbfounded him, uh, confounded him in this situation, right? SubhanAllah that Ibrahim was, was able to use the most effective da'wah in all of these moments. And uh, we also see, by the way, Ibrahim asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, رَبِّيَ الَّذِي يُحْيِي وَيُمِيتِ أَرِنِي كَيْفَ تُحْيِي الْمَوْتَى O my Lord who gives life and who gives death, show me how you give life to the dead. قَالَ أَوَلَمْ تُؤْمِنْ Allah said, do you not believe? قَالَ بَلَا وَلَكِنْ لِيَطْمَئِنَّ he said, rather it is that my heart may be put at ease. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Ibrahim to take birds and to cut them into pieces and put them in different places, uh, different mountains, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would assemble them before his own eyes. And there's something powerful about this, by the way, that every prophet that is challenged in the Qur'an, or not every prophet rather, but, but you see multiple instances where a prophet is challenged by their people and they ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a particular affirmation, even though they do believe, but so that iman can be placed on top of my iman, faith on top of my faith, to increase me in faith. And so the people of Moses, Musa alayhi they say, Arina Rabbak, right? Show us your Lord. And Musa alayhi said to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, let me see you, right? Not in a challenging way, but in a desire and in a way of affirming that yaqeen, affirming that certainty um, in his heart even further. We find also that as Ibrahim leaves Iraq, that there is a lesson here that even if you do everything right, if the people's hearts are not right, they're not going to see the truth. So Ibrahim did the best he could with character, arguments, creed, everything he did was right, but the people were not in a situation where they could accept his, his, his message. That's when Ibrahim in his hijrah turns away and that's where we find now Ibrahim Islam, an incident in Egypt with another tyrant, with the Fir'aun of the time. Ibrahim Islam is making his way through Masr, through Egypt. And the Pharaoh of the time uh, is a man who particularly 
will, uh, you know, has his, his uh, guards out there looking for beautiful women. And when he sees a beautiful woman, then he'll call for her. And he doesn't care if she's married or not. He will do what he wants with that woman. And so Sarah, the wife of Ibrahim Islam, was a beautiful woman. And Ibrahim Islam is with Sarah. And the word gets back to the Pharaoh about the beauty of Sarah. And Ibrahim salam says to her that, you know, look, uh, I was asked about who you are and I said that you are my sister. And so if you are taken to the Pharaoh, do not, do not make me out to be a liar, say you're my sister. Now, this is the third quote-unquote lie of Ibrahim salam, but it's not really a lie because she's a sister in faith. Um, but in that situation, Sarah is brought to the Pharaoh of the time, of the Fir'aun at that time. And you can see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala produces <clears throat> whoever is mindful of Allah Allah will make a way out for them like he did with Ibrahim from that fire and grant him from places that he never would have been able to imagine Ibrahim is with Sarah they take Sarah thinking that she's the sister of Abraham to the Fir'aun um, Sarah goes to this Pharaoh and he walks up to her to touch him and Sarah makes du- to touch her and Sarah makes dua supplicates against the Fir'aun and then he gets paralyzed <laughs> his hands gets paralyzed he can't move so he says to her uh, pray to Allah to let me go and I won't harm you okay so Sarah makes dua that he's cured and he's cured and then he comes at her a second time and she prays to Allah again that he would be stopped and he stopped. So he says once again, pray to Allah to, uh, pray to, Allah to, 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 to let me go and I won't harm you. So Sarah makes dua again that he would be freed from his paralysis and he comes at her again a third time. And so she makes dua again, she supplicates again and he says, pray to Allah and I will not harm you. And then at that point, she does so. And he says to his guards, he says, you did not bring me a human being, you brought me a shaitan. You brought me a devil. So he says, let her go and give her a gift. Give her a gift so she could leave me alone. What is the gift? Hajar. <laughs> Ha-ajruka. Here is, your, here is the slave girl of mine, this Egyptian slave girl of mine. Take Hajar. SubhanAllah, who would have thought, Ibrahim Islam, that, that the Prophet Sallallahu would be from the lineage of this woman that would be gifted to his wife Sarah from a Pharaoh that was trying to harm them. And that harm would come to Ibrahim Islam from his father. That's the point of Allah gives you from places you have no idea where they would, you have no idea where the source is or how it would come to you. So Ibrahim Islam takes Sarah and Hajar, and then they continue on their hijrah. And the Prophet ﷺ, as he narrated this, he says, Tilka uh, ummukum, that this is your mother, O Arabs, that this is your mother, Hajar, salam, and this is how she comes into this place. So then they settle in Palestine, in Palestine. Sarah and Ibrahim uh, continued to hope for a child, and they weren't having a child. So Sarah gifts Hajar to Ibrahim to marry her. So Ibrahim marries Hajar and of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses them after this long period of time 
with Ismail alayhi salam. As they're blessed with Ismail alayhi salam, Ibrahim, Hajar, and Ismail, Allah commands Ibrahim alayhi salam to take Hajar and Ismail and to settle them in this barren desert of Mecca. He takes Hajar and Ismail. Hajar, subhanAllah, this woman that was uh, a slave of, of, of the Pharaoh, gifted in this situation, now taken and she's being dropped off in the middle of the desert with her son Ismail. And as Ibrahim السلام, drops them off and he's in great pain because of the situation that he's in, Ibrahim السلام, is walking away and I'm paraphrasing the story because I've, I've given the story of Hajar in another uh, lecture. Hajar is pleading with Ibrahim السلام, what are you doing? Where are you leaving us? And then she finally asks him, has Allah commanded you to do this? And Ibrahim السلام, as he nods in the affirmative, she says these powerful words, then Allah will not let us go to waste. Allah will not lose sight of us. We'll be okay. Allah does not lose his people. SubhanAllah, certainty that she has in those moments with her baby in the middle of the desert. Ibrahim السلام, makes the famous dua for them. رَبِّ إِنِّي أَسْكَنْتُ مِنْ ذُرِّيَّةِ بِوَادٍ غَيْرِ ذِي زَرْعٍ عِنْدَ بَيْتِكَ الْمُحَرَّمِ Oh Allah, I, I've left them here. I left my family in the middle of this barren desert at your sacred house. رَبَّنَا لِيُقِيمُ الصَّلَاسَةَ They may establish the, the prayer. فَجْعَلْ أَفْئِدَةَ مِنَ النَّاسِ تَهْوِي إِلَيْهِمْ وَرْزُقُهُ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَشْكُرُونَ Allow some of the people to affectionately incline towards them and provide for them so that they may be grateful to you. And he leaves them. We then know, obviously, in that situation, Hajar searches for water and uh, she's running between Safa and Marwa with her baby. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends to her Jibreel alayhi salam. And Jibreel alayhi salam, she looks up and she sees him. He strikes the ground. And as he strikes the ground with his heel, the water of Zamzam starts to burst from the earth. The Prophet said, May Allah have mercy on the mother of Ismail. She carved out that space. And had she not done that, then that water would have touched every part of the earth. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah sends you provision from where you don't expect it. This tribe comes from Yemen, Jurhum. And by the way, the Ansar were from Yemen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless the people of Yemen and make it easy for them in these difficult times. Allahumma ameen. So just like with the Prophet Sallallahu his risk was in the Ansar from Yemen. Here you have the risk from these people, this tribe of Jurhum from Yemen. They, they see the birds, uh, you know, surrounding this particular area. And so they go and they find that it's just this woman and her child and this well. Now, if they were not a noble people, they could have taken advantage of her and said, you know what, who are you? Get out the way, give us this water, right? But they're a noble people. And so they ask Hajar permission to settle themselves there. And then they ask her for some of that water. Hajar السلام, she sells the water of Zamzam to them. And they oblige. Now what ends up happening is they don't take advantage of her. They settle that area. Hajar is this working woman. She's selling from the water of Zamzam that Allah provided to her and to her son. And the tribe settles there. Years go by, Ibrahim السلام, goes back to Hajar and Ismail. They're in joy. They, they see Ibrahim السلام. Ibrahim sees his, his uh, wife Hajar and his son, his firstborn whom he loves so much. And he goes to sleep in their home that night. 
And what does he see? Ibrahim sees in his dream that he is slaughtering Ismail Subhanallah, test after test after test. Ibrahim wakes up and he calls for his son. And he says, oh my son, I see in my dream that I'm slaughtering you. I'm sacrificing you. So what should I do? And his son, Ismail, who's been nurtured with that same righteousness, he says to him, oh my father, do what you've been commanded to do and you will find me to, to be amongst the patients. He takes Ismail salam, as we know, and as Ibrahim salam, is about to sacrifice him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instead replaces Ismail, even though the knife had even gotten to his neck. And by the way, you can't, you, you know, no one sees in a dream this. This is the dreams of the prophets and there's an entire backstory and there's interpretation, but the dreams of the prophets are wahi. So no, you can't hurt someone because you saw in a dream that you're hurting someone. This is a special case with Ibrahim goes and, and he, he has to sacrifice his son and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instead replaces his son with a ram and subhanallah that becomes a proof for Ismail salam, a proof for Ibrahim salam, and it becomes a means of gratitude for us the aqiqah that we put forth at the birth of a child. So he passes that test. Ibrahim Ismail salam, innahu kana sadiq al wa'd he was truthful to his promise. What a righteous young man he was. Ismail salam, did not just tell his father, do what you've been told in your dream. And then once they got to the actual uh, station to do what he was going to do, Ismail did not say, wait, hold on, I thought this was just a test. Ismail sat still with serenity, understanding that this was commanded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you see the yaqeen, the certainty in Ibrahim, the certainty in Hatar, the certainty in Ismail. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, gives him that. Then Ibrahim alayhi salam comes back to Mecca once again. Every time Ibrahim comes back to Mecca, there's something. He comes back to Mecca and he says to Mecca that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded me to build a house, to raise the foundations of his house. Will you support me in doing so? He said, yes. So Ibrahim alayhi salam and Ismail salam, build the Kaaba together, raise the foundations of the Kaaba together, father and son. What a noble task for Ismail salam, to raise that, that Kaaba together. And they make dua together. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Ibrahim salam, call the people to Hajj. And he says, Rabbi, wama sawti. He says, Oh my Lord, what's going to cause my voice to reach the people? He said, Call the people, and it's upon me to bring them forth. SubhanAllah. So he calls out and he says, Ya Yuhannas, Kutiba alaykum al Hajj, ila al Bayt al Atiq. He said, O oh people, Hajj has been written for you to this blessed home. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused everything from the heavens and the earth to hear the voice of Ibrahim alayhi salam. And SubhanAllah, till today, we answer that call of Hajj. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to answer that call in our lifetimes, those that have been once again and those that have not been. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to answer that call. Allahumma ameen. So Allah has decreed that the people respond from all over on the backs of all animals. Labayk Allahumma labayk. Here I am, O oh Allah, here I am. Here I am, O oh Allah, la sharika lak. I'm not going to attribute partners. Labayk. I attribute no partners to you. You are one, Labayk. I, I, here I am, O oh Allah. 
And subhanAllah, um, you know, you think about this, this, this incident with Ibrahim السلام, and Ismail building the Kaaba. And the way that Ibrahim السلام, his voice was caused by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reach everybody until today we're responding to the call of Ibrahim when we respond to the call of Hajj. You think about his people could not hear him. His own people in Iraq that knew him, this noble young man could not hear him. Even though they saw him and they experienced his intelligent arguments and they saw his noble character and everything and they could not hear them because of their wickedness. And here we are thousands of years later and we can hear Ibrahim السلام, even though we've never seen him or heard his voice because Allah causes our hearts to hear him if we are righteous. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us worthy of being amongst those that respond to that call. Allahumma ameen. The last time that we see Ibrahim visiting Ismail alayhi salam is a hadith from the Prophet sallallahu where he mentions uh, at this point Hajar has passed away, that's implied. Ismail has gotten married, he's moved on. He's commanding his people with salah. He's stuck to his, his small location, right? Relatively small location. And Ibrahim السلام, comes to visit Ismail house. He's an elderly man and the wife of Ismail answers the door. Ibrahim comes in, he says, where's your husband? She doesn't know who he is. She just thinks he's an old man, traveler. And she says that he's not home right now. Ibrahim does not identify himself as the father-in-law. He's, he just asks her about their situation. And all she does is talk about how horrible their situation is. And Ibrahim السلام, is grateful to Allah in all circumstances. And that's the family of Ibrahim السلام. They're grateful to Allah in all circumstances. And so as he hears that, he says, this is not, this is not uh, you know, suitable. This is not uh, befitting that the wife of Ismail السلام, be this way. So he tells the wife of Ismail, he says, when your husband comes home, give my salam to him and tell him that he should replace uh, replace the door of his gate. Doesn't, you know, j- just makes it seem like it's, it's just the door of his gate. Ibrahim leaves, Ismail comes home, السلام, he asks his wife what happened. She said that this old man came by and he asked about our situation. And Ismail said, what did you tell him? Uh, she said, I told him how horrible, how, how difficult our lives are, the poverty we're living in and so on and so forth. And then Ismail says, well, did he say anything to you? She said, yeah, he said that you should consider changing the door of your gate. He said, that's a sign. And he divorced her. Now, by the way, uh, this does not allow for in-law interference. Uh, this is not, you are not Ibrahim السلام, nor is your son Ismail السلام. This is a very specific situation, just like the dream is specific to Ibrahim السلام, but there's a lesson of gratitude, a family of gratitude that's implied here. Years later, Ibrahim السلام, comes back to check on his son. Ismail has married a woman from Jurhum. She answers the door. She greets him with such hospitality. He enters in. He says, where is your husband? She says, he's out. And she serves him and he says, how is your situation? And all she does is praise Allah and talk about how blessed they are. Alhamdulillah, everything is wonderful. Ibrahim is pleased. He says to her, when your husband comes home, give him my salam and tell him that the door on his gate looks good. He should keep the door on his gate. <laughs> so he leaves. Ismail comes home and he says to his wife, you know, she says that this beautiful old man came and visited today <clears throat> and I served him uh, something. I showed him hospitality. 
and he asked about our situation. So Ismail is asking about the day. She said, he asked about our situation and I said, Alhamdulillah, everything is wonderful. We're blessed, we're pleased. And Ismail السلام, said, did he give you any, any tips, any advice? She said, yeah, he said that when your husband comes home, give, give my salam to him and tell him he should keep the door on his gate. He said, Alhamdulillah, you stay. Uh, the, the door of the gate was referring to the spouse. So Ibrahim السلام, saw someone that was, uh, that, that was suitable for that family of gratitude and prophethood. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we come to Ibrahim السلام, and Sarah settled over a decade later now back in Palestine. And, you know, it seems like this is how it's going to go for the rest of his life. He's an old man. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a plan for his son Ismail السلام, And, you know, when that plan comes, right? He built the Kaaba, he did what's on him. He's not surrounded by people. It's okay. You know, he's, he's satisfied with that, with that situation. And then one day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, هَلْ أَتَاكَ حَدِيثُ ضَيْفِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ الْمُكْرَمِينَ Have you heard the story of the noble guests of Ibrahim alayhi salam? This time the visitors are to Ibrahim's place. Ibrahim alayhi salam is with his wife Sarah. They're an elderly couple in Palestine. And this group of three men walk by. And Ibrahim alayhi salam sees them and he says, uh, Come on in. They say to him, Salam. He responds, Salam. What a noble group of people. He speaks to them with good manners, good character. He shows them great hospitality. He goes to Sarah. He says, Let's cook them something good, right? Let's not give them just you know, some dates or something here. No, let's, let's cook them a nice full meal. Because hospitality is extremely important to Ibrahim السلام, right? This is part of his karam, his generosity, his good character. So they cook this uh, full meal and Ibrahim السلام, brings it to them. Tafaddalu, have a seat. They're sitting down. فَقَرَّبَهُ إِلَيْهِمْ They're not eating the food. <laughs> so Ibrahim السلام, moves the food close to them. And they're just looking at him. قَالَ أَلَا تَأْكُلُونَ he said, aren't you going to eat? Some narrations, they say that at this point, the three men said, "La illa bithamani. We don't eat except that we pay for it. So Ibrahim said, fine, kulu go ahead and eat and you can pay me later. They said, what is the thaman? What is the price? He said that you start in the name of Allah and you end with praising Allah. You start with basmala, you end with hamd. Bismillah and alhamdulillah. That's the price of this. He doesn't want anything, right? So that doesn't, change anything. Why? Because the three men that are sitting in front of him are Jibreel alayhi salam, Mikael alayhi salam, and Israfil alayhi salam. They're angels. They can't eat. The angels don't eat or drink and they're looking for an excuse to get themselves out of the situation with Ibrahim alayhi salam. So he puts this forth and then he says, Ala ta'kulun, and then there's a very awkward silence because they're not eating. And so at that point, awjasa minhum khifa. Ibrahim Islam starts to get worried. What are these people up to? Right? Are they going to rob the house? Is there something else here? They said, do not worry. And they give him the glad tidings of a knowledgeable young man and Ishaq السلام, And this is now over 10 years, up to 13 years after Ismail has been born. Ibrahim has already settled. He, you know, he, him and Sarah have already you know, uh, accepted their situation here. And they give him the bushra, the glad tidings of the son. فَأَقْبَلَتِ مْرَأَتُهُ فِي سَرَّةٍ 
فَصَكَّتْ وَجَهَهَا His wife comes, Sarah comes and صَكَّتْ uh, وَجَهَهَا she's, she's literally, she's shouting and she's hitting her face. And she's in complete disbelief. I'm an old woman, he's an old man. What are you talking about? عَجُوزٌ عَقِيمٌ هَذَا بَعْلِي شَيْخَ There's no way. He's old, I'm old, I'm barren. I've never been able to have children even as a young woman. What's happening here? What's going on here? And the response is one word from Jibreel alayhi salam, which was the same response to Zakariya alayhi salam when he said, I'm old, how am I going to have children? And the same response to Maryam alayhi salam when she says, I've never been touched by a man, how am I going to have a child? The answer is, kadalik. Allah said so. <laughs> because Allah said so. So just like that, Allah said so. And they say, قَالَ رَبُّكِ إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْحَكِيمُ الْعَلِيمُ Jibreel alayhi salam says, your Lord, is most wise, most knowledgeable. So he starts with the hikmah before the ilm here. But there is a wisdom to this delay that took place here. There is a wisdom to this delay that took place here. But this is the situation. Uh, some of the mufassirin, mufassirun, they say, notice Ibrahim salam did not object. Ibrahim salam did not shout. Ibrahim salam did not do anything extraordinary. Why? Because Ibrahim salam was used to these types of things happening in his life. He's been through being thrown into a fire, uh, almost slaughtering his son. Leave, I mean, he's been through so much, alayhi salatu wasalam. At this point, nothing really shakes him. He's so submissive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he praises Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Obviously, I mean, this is what you wanted your whole life, right? But Ibrahim alayhi salam says, مَا خَطْبُكُمْ أَيُّهَا الْمُرْسَلُونَ But what were you really up to, O messengers of Allah? Where were you really headed to? And that's when they say, We've been sent to a nation of criminals. We've been sent to the nation of Lut his nephew, to destroy them. And subhanAllah, look at Ibrahim salam. He starts to argue with them to hold them back from destroying the nation of Lut I mean, he just got the glad tidings of a son of his own. And subhanAllah, look at this in the same meeting of giving the Bushra, the glad tidings of a child, they're also giving the news that a whole nation is about to be destroyed. So this one child's going to be born and nations will be born from this child. Bani Israel uh, will come from this child. And at the same time, a nation is about to be destroyed. In the same gathering, that news is being delivered. Ibrahim salam argues with them, uh, tries to delay them, says give them another chance. He does everything that he possibly can. And this is the care and the love that Ibrahim salam has for the people the desire for da'wah, the desire to see the da'wah take root. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses him with Ishaq and then min wara'i Ishaq, Ya'qub, he lives to see Ya'qub alayhi salam. Ibrahim alayhi salam lived, uh, according to some of the scholars, about 200 years. He had multiple children and grandchildren. SubhanAllah, there was a time when it was just going to be Ismail alayhi salam, right? Now he has Ishaq, Ya'qub, and he's surrounded by other children and grandchildren, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, takes his life, alayhi salatu wasalam, in Palestine, in Khalil. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send his peace and blessings upon him and allow us to be amongst those who follow him and those who, who, who are uh, dedicated and loyal followers of his grandson, great-grandson and descendant Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Inshallah ta'ala, dear brothers and sisters, uh, I hope that you'll be attentive in the first 10 days of the Hijjah as we go through the du'as, the supplications of Ibrahim salam. I pray that this was beneficial in giving you an overview of his life and legacy and the lessons and virtues we take from him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gather us with the prophets 
with the Salihin, with the Siddiqeen, with the Shuhada. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us for our shortcomings. May Allah grant us sincerity and steadfastness. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us an opportunity to make hajj to that, to that, that blessed house and to follow in the manasik and the rituals of Ibrahim islam and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and to be granted a hajj mabrur, an accepted hajj, even for those who simply intended it and were not able to make it this year. Allahumma ameen. Jazakumullahu khayran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa